Welcome to the Elliott Confidential Podcast. I'm Christopher Elliott. I'm here with my boy, Aaron Elliott. It's your boy. It's your boy. How are you, Aaron? Mm, I'm tired. <laughs> really? Yeah. Been a really long past couple of days doing finals, so yeah. Tired. Burnout. Burnout. Yeah. And uh, I'm just getting over, I don't even know what I had, but I had like at least four separate illnesses coming back from keto. So we are in Santiago, Chile. Or as they say here, Chile. 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 Yes. Is that a T-C-H? Chile. Chile. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we got here on, um, I want to say, a Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. Here, Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm losing track of the days uh, from uh, Quito. And the last place we were at was a place called Mosh Pilage. We will talk about Mosh Pilage in just a second. The Mosh Pit Lodge. The Mosh Pit Lodge. Oh. Um, and we will also <laughs> talk about Santiago, although we haven't been here for that long, um, because I, I know that a lot of folks are thinking about, you know, getting away from winter, maybe coming down to someplace where it's uh, summery-er, is that, if that's even a word. It is much more summery here. It is the middle of frickin' summer. And that actually brings us to this week's question, which is, you know, we've talked about different types of weather that you can encounter when you're traveling. And we just, our last question of the week was on, on sickness. And we're going to read your comments in a minute on that. But I'm curious about like uh, seasonal shock. Have you ever gone from summer to winter, winter to summer, spring to fall? Uh, we just went from essentially winter to right now being in the middle of the summer and so our days have gone from what what were the days that we were getting like you know eight hours seven hours of daylight to now we're getting it seems like 15 hours of daylight mm -hmm. especially when we were in spokane oh gosh yeah we were getting like two hours of daylight in spokane um so anyway tell us about the time when maybe you had a a seasonal change like this when you were traveling and oh what the most noteworthy part of it was and how you uh, dealt with it. And that can either be going from like the middle of summer to the middle of winter or the win middle of winter to the middle of summer. I think for us, Aaron, one of the weirdest transitions that we ever had was in Norway. When we went, it was summertime, but we went up to Norway and then we had 24 hours of daylight. Yeah. I remember how that was like. And the craziest part about it was that we had all that daylight and meanwhile it was maybe a high of eight degrees celsius which is like you know 50 fahrenheit yeah it was so not it warm. was summer mm. but then it was also very wintry and then also when we went to antarctica earlier this year it was summer uh, it was it was but it was a winter destination it was a wintry summer yeah and you expect antarctica to be super cold but it was got that like to it got to 23 degrees and really, it was, it was impossible to sleep on the ship because uh, the unless you closed all the curtains because it was light all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we had some amazing comments on last week's question, which is about tell us tell us the last time you got sick on a trip, because it turns out a lot of you guys got sick too, and I cannot wait to to read those. Um, but since we were in the Galapagos, I will I will just preview one because uh, Lori had a really interesting comment. She said that the sickest that she's been was. When she was in the Galapagos, like us, she said she landed in Quito uh, and she went to the hotel and an hour later got horrific altitude sickness. She says, I couldn't even crawl to the phone to call the front desk 
and then it became uh, high altitude cerebral edema called HACE or H, I don't know, um, which she says can be deadly. Yeah, wow. Which uh, I, I can easily believe that that would have happened because uh, keto is just that high up. So anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, we'll, we'll do the rest of the comments in a minute. Yeah. But we should talk about the Moshpi Lodge because you saw more of it than I did because uh, you were in a better place. I actually slept through most of Moshpi Lodge because I was so sick. So for two straight days, I was in bed. Mm -hmm. So what did you think of Moshpi Lodge? So Moshpi Lodge is interesting. Um, they have, it's in the middle of the rainforest. It's a three hour drive, more than three hour drive from Quito. Down a very winding, bumpy road. Yes, exactly. And it's a little bit of a strange place to have a, a hotel. Um, here, let me pull it up here. Yeah, it's uh, really in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't even show you. Uh, it doesn't even show a road. It doesn't even show a road going yeah. there. So, yeah, it's, a, it's crazy. And in any case, it's interesting because the des it's interesting because the demographic target for this place is very different from even the Galapagos. They're looking at people who want to go hike in the, not really the Amazon, but it's a rainforest, it's, it's a rainforest. cloud forest. And they're not easy hikes. We, no. we ended up doing one our last day there. I pulled myself out of bed and we walked in a creek, uh, along a creek and, and then uh, took a cable car up the hill. So it was, it, it, you know, this is not easy hikes. If, if you're on a cruise and you're just a leisurely type, you do not want to do this. No, exactly. So there are a lot of intense hikes, but also there are these cable cars that will take you across the Amazon. So that way, it, it's, the, it's actually- It's the cloud forest. It's the, yeah, it's the Ecuadorian cloud forest or uh, it, it's not the Amazon. It's not the Amazon, not I, the I, Amazon. I apologize. No, that's okay. But anyway, it'll take you across the rainforest, we'll yes. call it that. And uh, it's really interesting. They have a lot of biodiversity, a lot of species that they've discovered there. In terms of the experience being there, though, it is very luxury. You have a dehumidifier oh, yeah. in your room. Everything is AC. And they have super thick doors to make sure nothing gets in. You have also a perfect view of the forest, which means you get to see all the birds from your uh, hotel room. Floor to ceiling windows, mm -hmm. yeah, very beautiful. We saw uh, birds flying into our window and we saw them flying around our window, beautiful. Like the, these are the type of birds that you go out bird watching to see and they're right there. Beautiful, like green and blue birds, brilliant blue birds and spider monkeys. Yes, so we got to see some monkeys there too. It was actually only once that I saw it, but I think you might've seen it twice. Uh, well, I was having a fever, so I saw it more times than huh. they probably was out there. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, the, the biodiversity was pretty uh, amazing. They had, had just discovered a couple of years ago something called the Moshpi glass frog. And the, the glass frog is a translucent, small translucent animal, comes out at night, and you can see through. You can see right through to its organs. It is just the most amazing thing. We didn't actually see it. We saw a photo of it, but it's out there. It and is. It is, uh, and you can only find it in this area. So uh, who would you recommend should maybe book a room at the Mashpee Lodge, Aaron? 
Well, I think that if you have the means and if you're interested in, you know, hiking through the rainforest and seeing a lot of biodiversity, um, I, think, I think that this is really the place for you. If you're interested in more of a leisurely, you know, sitting by the poolside and drinking a margarita, <laughs> yes. this is not the place for you. I agree with you. And actually I have a story in Forbes today on uh, eco-lodges and Moshpee is prominently featured in there, but I have many other eco-lodges that I've uh, talked to for the article. And it turns out that eco-lodges are a really big thing. They're a huge trend for 24. A lot of people are interested in booking them. There are a lot of uh, lodges that are calling themselves eco-lodges, but they're not true eco-lodges. Hmm. But this is the thing is that there really isn't a commonly accepted definition of an eco-lodge. So I can call myself an eco-lodge here in Santiago. I'm living in an eco-lodge here and no one would, there is no eco-lodge police that can come by and say, this is not a true eco-lodge. But you know, it really isn't an eco-lodge. I'm staying in an, an apartment <laughs> so, <laughs> in the city. Anyway, y you get my point, right? Yeah, I get your point. It's definitely something that's a, a really emergent sort of trend in travel, mm -hmm. these eco-lodges. And I think it's interesting, it's gonna be interesting to see like what sort of uh, services and promises these eco-lodges can make and if there will be any standards set forward. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are certain things that people expect when they stay at an eco-lodge. They expect it to be committed to protecting the environment. Carbon neutrality is really important. Exploring the environment, maybe having a guide there. And, and then some like off-the-grid amenities, people do expect uh, things like internet access and electricity, um, but they also don't want it to be leaving a really huge carbon footprint, so they, they expect recycling and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So for Amashpi Lodge, we headed back to Quito and then flew down here. Mm -hmm. And we went from kind of the tropical rainforesty high altitude to a very different climate. Aaron, describe the climate, please, here. So Santiago is essentially a desert. Mm -hmm. It's really not even like, oh, LA is a desert. No, it's, it's like, you know, Palm Springs sort of desert. It's really warm here. It's um, been the high of 29 Celsius or something like 90 something. It's a little bit, almost 90 It's a Fahrenheit. dry heat though. It's a dry heat. It's a dusty place. It reminds me a little bit of Reno during the summer. Um, but other than that, uh, that's where the similarities end. Actually, you get quite striking view of the Andes Mountains here, so which is really incredible. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw, you pointed it out, we were out walking and you said, hey, look, the, there are the Andes and the Andes, Andes. I was shocked. There, there they were, the mountains, they, there was snow on the peaks. It reminded me a lot of being in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, where this was a couple of years ago, you know, you, you're there in the middle of the summer, it's warm and beautiful, and you look at the Rocky Mountains, and there, right where Rocky Mountain National Park is, is this, these snow-capped peaks. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah, and so you get to see that if you're all along the river here, which the river is really nice here in, in Santiago, but uh, you get to see these mountains, it really mountains mm -hmm. everywhere, but these snow-capped mountains they're really amazing to look at, and I think that it's a really special thing 
to be able to see that in a place that is so well it's such a desert almost yeah yeah and it's so warm too you don't expect to see a snow-capped mountain when it's this warm yeah what are your overall impressions of santiago well santiago i don't know what i was expecting but santiago is really nice it reminds me of greece south africa a little bit of uh that's not necessarily a good thing (laughs) Um, well, it's a lot of different elements from yeah. these places. And it also reminds me a little bit of uh, Western Colorado, I would say. So there's a lot of different sort of elements around here. It's, what do I think of Santiago overall? It's been really good to us so far. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm looking forward to exploring more of the city because this is a walkable town. It's much more walkable than... Uh, some other places we've stayed. More walkable than Quito, for sure. Yes. So, I'm so far really happy with uh, Santiago. We've been walking around, the. Uh, we've been walking by the river, and then there's also a metropolitan park with a little uh, gondola, and it also yeah. has a bunch of hiking trails there. So, when we're walking distance from that, which is really nice because it means that we get to go hiking. So imagine that you're someone listening to this podcast right now. Uh, the snow is piling up outside, and they're thinking to themselves, I need to get somewhere warm. To whom would you recommend a place like Santiago? Santiago is surprisingly in, within reach. I didn't realize it, but it's, really only, it's only about eight hours from, a, from Texas. I would uh, think by, by plane, yeah, by plane, because it was four hours to Quito and then another uh, real three and a half hours here. So if you're going from from a place like Texas, and I imagine from other parts of the United States, it's really not that big of a deal. And you can come down to a place like Santiago, and it's summer here. The prices are, I mean, the, the prices are not you know super low. But no, this is not Argentina prices. It's not no. no. <laughs> but but you're going to get a good deal, yeah. and you know there's a lot to see in Santiago. I feel like the amount of tourism from Americans, you know, I don't see it. Uh, well, not in the that, same way yeah. that I see American tourists coming to Europe, for example. So it's not a huge market, and I think that that adds to the authenticity of the experience too. Well said, yeah. I, there hasn't, I have not seen very many Americans at all. In fact, I haven't met any Americans here yet. They may be in other places like Valparaiso or in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. We'll have to go there to see. If, we're going to be searching for American tourists. But so far, yeah, can you imagine? Is anyone here American? Are you guys, are, are you guys American? No. Um, there's a lot, though. There's a lot going on. I know that a lot of Americans go farther south. Yeah, they go to see, uh, they go to see Patagonia yeah, yeah, and go hiking there. the southern Andes. And, uh, and that, because Chile is such a long country, like, it's a real, it's actually a driving destination. We were talking to the tourism folks today, and they said, if you come here, you, you usually would rent a car and drive uh, down to Patagonia. Mm. Um, which we may end up doing at some point if we have the time. We're still not sure what we're going to do next because uh, our next destination actually is Argentina, but 
Argentina is not doing so well right now. They are, mm-hmm. they just had a very controversial election, and they're having they're having some economic issues. So if our if the security situation um, is not what we hoped it to be, we might stay here a little longer. I just don't know what we're going to do, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, to be continued. I think that that there's much more to explore here, and we will get back to you next week with much more about. Uh, uh, about, uh, I was going to say Patagonia, but about certainly about uh, Chile and uh, Santiago. Uh, last week's question was, what's the sickest that you've ever gotten when you've traveled? And the reason that we asked that question was that we ourselves had been sick. Aaron, can you get us up to speed on how, just how sick we did get? Yeah, so we were we were super sick. We couldn't. I mean, we couldn't move for a couple of days. I mean, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but the moment we arrived, uh, we have been tracking our health with these new watches. And since we are, the moment we arrived, our health was sort of deteriorating. And then eventually, we got altitude sick the first day. And altitude sickness in the sense that um, you know our blood oxygen was low. So and that really wasn't very helpful. Then we went, made it to the Galapagos and we got sick there with a new, maybe it was a virus or a bacteria. Yeah, something going around on the ship, Something, right? or, Yes, and then we got uh, the stomach bug, which was separate because uh, we had just had cold sy- uh, symptoms up to that point and then we got a stomach bug. And then we went, uh, we went back and we got uh, altitude sickness again. Yeah. And then there was this other lung sort of congestion thing that was different from the cold. Oh, I got that. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, you got that. I remember being in a meeting with someone who was doing communications for the tour operator, Metropolitan Touring, Mm -hmm. and finally I just said, I I have to stop this meeting and I have to go to sleep because I can't do this anymore. And I... um, feel terrible about that. But Dominic, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry that I had to leave our meeting. But I'm better now. Anyway, that's why we asked the question, and boy, did we get answers. We've already previewed one of them, but we have more. Uh, DJ says that she or he got COVID on a Viking River cruise. Uh, says all, all was good at the start, but by the end of the cruise, 90% of passengers had COVID. Uh, one was taken off the ship in an ambulance. That is not the way you want to end a, a cruise at all. Jane says, my husband got horrible Montezuma's revenge in Cozumel. We were on a scuba lunch and, on a beach adventure, and I warned him about eating the salads. He learned. <laughs> oh, goodness. He learned. Connie says, uh, here's a story much closer to home. In 1983, my future husband and I flew to Minneapolis for a long weekend um, and tickets to the Guthrie Theater. That first afternoon, we ate lunch at a deli. Uh-oh, I can tell where this is going. I had, I had a corned beef sandwich. Four hours later, and while we were at a restaurant prior to the performance at the Guthrie, I came down with a sudden attack of food poisoning. I swear it was from the corned beef, beef sandwich. No Guthrie, no wandering around Minneapolis, no fun. Hmm. Just a reminder that you don't have to be in a different country to eat something that you shouldn't. Well said, Connie. Well said. 
C. Womack says the sickest I've ever been was the ferry boat ride to the Great Barrier Reef, 40 minutes from mainland Australia of torturous wind, high waves, and mist made me seasick beyond any previous time. Uh. Nothing helped. Of course, once on the reef, had to make return trip to mainland. So sick. Awful. Wow. Oh, oh Aaron, I remember one time we were down in the Florida Keys and we went on a boat. And I had warned you not to eat breakfast. Do you remember that? And you ate it anyway. And oh man, you got so seasick and you lost it. You just, it was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Stacy says, I was stung by a scorpion in Thailand. Got a trip to the hospital in Chiang Mai. Hey, we've, we've been to Chiang Mai. Yeah. Um, they have a good Starbucks right across from the gate there. In Chiang Mai. <laughs> yeah. Patricia says, we went to Ecuador in September of 2018 with a Stanford University tour. We flew from San Francisco to Quito. We cruised the Galapagos on La Pinta. Back to Quito and then to the Mashpi Lodge. Hey, that's where we were. Fortunately, we were healthy the entire trip. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's not a comment. Um, the Mashpi Lodge, she says, was amazing. Great hikes, tours, wonderful meals. Um, water shoes were essential, both in the islands and Mashpi. Which, you know, is uh, we were saying that too. I'm glad you didn't get sick, Patricia. That's good. Moy says, does an injury count? Does an injury count? It does, because I talked about my ski injury. The second and third week uh, of a trip to Ghana, I fell into a roadside drainage ditch. Oh, no. Nothing was broken, but my knee had a bad gash that needed surgery. I spent the rest of the trip cleaning the wound and fighting infections. Ugh, that's the last place you want to have an infection, too. Uh, May says, I had... A UTI that nearly went septic in St. Martin. Oh, oh, that's that's terrible. That's really terrible. DW says whole family got food poisoning on a December 2006 Windjammer cruise in the Caribbean. That's bad. That's worse than what we got. Denise says another food poisoning story. Wow, we should have just said a question about food poisoning. Something I ate before boarding a flight from Paris to Atlanta. That's surprising because Paris usually has very sanitary, good food. Denise says I was sick the entire plane ride and literally sat on the floor trudging through customs. Oh. Yeah. And I know, and Sharon says that's my nightmare is being sick on a plane, especially in a long flight like that. Um, Paris to Atlanta is a long flight, but we've been on longer flights. Can you imagine Tokyo? to Los Angeles or something like that or yeah that's or nuts Sydney to Los Angeles and you get food poisoning it's, it's uh, Sydney to London Jerry, Jerry says got food poisoning while on a European river cruise in 2009 about half the ship got food poisoning as well this week's question on a cheerier note is tell us about the time when you went from summer to winter or winter to summer um, a light or climate shock like where you went from getting four hours of daylight to suddenly getting 18 hours of daylight or even 24 hours of daylight. Tell us about that. We would love to hear it about your climate surprise stories while you're traveling. We have a few to tell too. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be in, um, we'll, we'll be in 
Santiago again next week, I guess. Yeah, Santiago next week is the 23rd, so almost Christmas Day. I know. All right. Well, it's Ciao. actually the 24th. Ciao, everybody. <laughs>